Welcome to Feminist Erotica, a podcast from Rebellious Magazine for Women. Join Jera, Karen, and Princess for stimulating interviews that explore feminist representations of desire, as well as short and sweet erotic snippets read by the authors themselves. This episode is sponsored by Just the Tip, Rebellious Magazine's inclusive sex and relationship advice column where you'll find interviews with sexuality researchers and educators, as well as compassionate responses to anonymous questions. Check it out at rebelliousmagazine.com slash just dash the dash tip. Welcome to the finale of season one of the Feminist Erotica podcast. We did it. We survived it. We recorded a bunch of episodes. We got a lot of insights from a lot of amazingly insightful people and we read some smut i feel like did we do what we set out to do absolutely <laughs> that said what did we set out to do mm. princess take it away so <laughs> thank you for that uh lovely introduction karen hawkins you're so welcome so this season we really wanted to kind of explore what makes erotica feminist so that um Lighthouse really fed all of our interviews and conversations that we have with people um, talking about their particular work and then also kind of diving down into what uh, character traits, what things need to be included in a story to technically make it, uh, to be able to call it feminist. So we started out with a response form that we put together to that we promoted a bunch of places to just ask people what makes erotica feminist to you and we put together a short list of points that we discussed and felt like you know these things may or may not need to be included to make it so and for our first venue vignette into asking reader responses i think it went pretty well to start off a few of the things that we included in the form to uh, as checkboxes to ask people what makes erotica fi- feminist. We had enthusiastic consent and autonomy for characters, an author living, writing about their lived experience in terms of identity, authentic character development inside the stories, challenging a societal status quo somehow in the storyline or thematically uh, in what is explored, and also maybe a fantastical element that uh, enables the characters to find healing or empowerment. So those are the kind of ones that we just threw out to see what sticks if people were into those things specifically. And then what we really got a lot of talk back was the long answer answer section where we asked people what makes erotica feminist. 20 people responded. So shout out to y'all. Thank you. I mean, we did incentivize them, let's be clear. Yes, we did offer, gosh, what did we give? Women and children first gift cards, right, Mm Tara? Yeah. Which is like basically gold in a quarantine. So, you know, we started out really high. Let's talk about it. Um, Exactly, yes. Cheers to you, Jara, for the idea to incentivize people to do our survey with gift cards to Women and Children First Bookstore. If you are not in Chicago, that is Chicago's preeminent feminist bookstore. They've been around since 
they just celebrated their 41st anniversary, I think. They're in Andersonville. They are absolutely amazing. We love you, women and children first. Congratulations to everyone who got gift cards. I love when Karen puts out, like, it automatically turns into Vanna White and just slides in all the promo. We absolutely love women and children first. I am not in Chicago, but I've been there, and it's my favorite bookstore that I've walked in uh, just with shelf tags. So if you haven't been in there, absolutely check them out. Of the 20, res of the 20 responses that we got from people, um, 17 folks named enthusiastic consent and autonomy elements of feminist erotica. Absolutely, everyone needs to be into the, the story and the sex and have, the characters need to have consent and autonomy of what's happening there. Uh, 14 people responded and said that authentic character development was crucial in naming a erotica story feminist. Outside of those two main uh, categories that people agreed on, the other ones were sort of universally filled in. The story needed to be centered on women, specifically without the male gaze and without shame. So just making sure that, you know, the female characters in the story, it was about them uh, and it was about their development and, and their journey throughout the story uh, in a very empowering way where they're not held back by any of what we deal with in society, just like none of that. Of those 20 responses, the, the group was pretty split on the question of challenging a societal quo. Just because as an erotica story, the main function of the story is to get off. So a lot of people asserted that the story doesn't necessarily need to have this big, it doesn't need to have this huge goal or, or ending or anything like that. Like erotica at its end. Yeah, it doesn't have to be like a whole agenda inside of it. It just needs it just needs to get to the end for the climax. Um, well, and I feel like it also like I'm I I feel like it's interesting that people responded that way because I feel like people who are not feminists perhaps their stereotype of feminist sex is that it's like super political, right? <laughs> that we somehow politicize and like that it's not fun at all. It's super political and not sexy. And I feel like I appreciate that people were like, yeah, that'd be great, but it's not totally required. Right. So one of the responses that we got uh, said, and I quote, I see no reason feminist erotica has to be advocacy driven, has to have meaning or purpose beyond arousal, and do not understand why everything related to feminism has to be driven by purpose other than what it is. Uh, so yeah, just a, a lot of that, a lot of people agreed that it just needs to be erotica. Other people um, chimed in and said that one of my favorite quotes that was pulled from the responses was making an autonomous choice to engage with it makes it erotic, erotica feminist, makes erotica feminist. Wow, words, gonna say that better in a way. Making an autonomous choice to engage with the text makes erotica feminist. Erotica's fancy, so I don't believe there needs to be feminist values embedded in the erotica itself. So simply put the choice to read it the choice to read the story with the characters uh and the journey 
itself it makes the erotica feminist. It doesn't need anything necessarily embedded into the text to make that so. So I think that was a really, uh, I think that set a great foundation for what we were working towards and re was reflected in the interviews that we had with authors that we talked to and in the happy hours that we had with, re with listeners and readers. If you were part of the happy hours that we had, they were delightful. Uh, there was a lot of good conversation in those, and it was really nice to be able to meet you guys and see faces and kind of have those, have that back and back, back and forth with each other. Because one of the main goals that we have with this podcast, which I think, I, I think we're doing great at, I think, you know, we're keeping it going, is creating that community and meeting with you guys and really getting to see and listen to you and get feedback of what you want to hear here, 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 <laughs> here, here. In that same frame, yeah. many of you suggested writers that we actually ended up featuring this season, including Katrina Jackson and Rachel Kramer Bustle. Thank you ladies so much for having great conversations with us, for being a part of our inaugural season. Rachel is a huge proponent and, and cheerleader for our podcast. She keeps us engaged. She throws out titles. She brings other people into our podcast. Maybe we should have asked Rachel to just be part of this broadcast. She's like an honorary member. Also, <laughs> Katrina Jackson, delightful conversation Loved. that me and Karen had with her. We became best friends through the shared commiseration of black queer women pushing in industry. So one of the possible topics that was thrown out in the reader response was talking about sex work. The quote that I pulled out was sex workers, especially the high-end sex workers who take in charge of their lives and desires. Look for that next season we'll have something special that we're putting together for that to get you guys reading and engaged with uh, sex workers and sex worker erotica. That's a really, that's a topic that I'm really interested in and the way that they incorporate erotic writing into their suite of services, which I did not know was a thing that happened until I had some personal experience with someone who does that. And I was like, well, that's classy and fancy and I'm here for it. I mean, we are, let's just be clear, we are classy and fancy individuals. In Absolutely. Yeah. Read what classy and fancy mean. <laughs> exactly. We're disrupting classy and fancy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was really the bulk of the responses that we got back. Thank you so much to everyone who responded to the form and gave your suggestions and gave your insights and comments. A couple of things that I do want to say out loud as stuff that I highlighted that I really liked. I, I don't want to say the person's name because I do hope that we can get her on the show at some point. But the comment that was given, uh, the person is, is an erotica author. And she responded, as an erotica author, feminist erotica is centered on the context of gender representation and the ethics of equality represented in a piece. Too often the discussion of whether a work 
of erotica is feminist is limited to what role white cis women play in a scene and the definition of feminist centered on the presence of heteronormative sexual relationships between cisgender characters. I consider erotica as a feminist when the gestalt is grounded in the ethics of equality. Chef's kiss, right? <laughs> I'm in. I'm a black queer woman. Karen's a black queer woman. Jara is a queer non-binary person. So being able to have this conversation within those intersections and also bring in authors and writers who really center their lived experiences as women of color or marginalized women is incredibly important and something that we want to and will continue to dive into as we do more episodes of the podcast. So the second, where we ended up going with the season wasn't just asking what makes erotica feminist, but what is erotica in general. And I think part of why that conversation became so important is that erotica, as we first started thinking about it, is this very capitalistic uh, genre. And it ends up marginalizing desire in a different way by being censored, by being risque, and it, I think it's part of the, what, what would you call it? It's part of the like sex negative or sex shaming environment that we're in, that it's this very narrow concept. So instead we're opening it up through people that are exploring it in different ways and we'll continue to do so in season two. But basically we have no set definition for what erotica is. There's the working definition of how you find it. And then there's a larger definition of how do you consume works of art that make you feel positive about the things that you desire and ways that you find pleasure. Here, here, cheers to that. We were supposed to be having mimosas during this recording, but we're not doing it. I'm doing Sober October and I hate myself. I feel like it's so important to say that. And I, I feel like I went into this very naive about how cis and how straight and how white erotica is because the erotica I read is not that. And so going into this, looking at the whole industry was very eye-opening for me. And I feel like it really reinforced why what we're doing is so important and that it's so important that it's the three of us doing it. And I feel like the mainstream notion of what erotica is, is the opposite of what we're trying to do. And I, I feel like I am really curious about, I, I wish that we could survey every person who listens to any of our episodes. Like I wanna know who these folks are. And I think it's one of the reasons that having the happy hours is so fulfilling for us is that we do get to interact with the people who want to interact with us. And um, I feel like we do need to figure out a way that people can come to happy hour and like not be on blast. Like right now we're doing it on Zoom. So people show up and they come in and they're like, oh, I'm on Facebook live with you. Hi, okay. So, I mean, we will create an, an atmosphere where you can be with us, but maybe you don't wanna be on camera or whatever. But I, I love that we have built into even just the first season, a way to interact with people who are interested in approaching erotica the way that we are too. So look for more of those events in the future. Now we're ending this episode and the season with excerpts from the conversation we had 
during the live stream season one launch party. Karen asked our guests their thoughts on what makes Erotica Feminist. You'll hear from Karen Yates, host and founder of the Wild and Sublime podcast, which brings you the latest news and inclusive conversations around sex and sexuality. And Jane Renault, the Erotica curator for Belessa.co, a porn and adult content site run by women. And finally, Becca Grishow and Amelia Rose, two of the folks behind Consensual Pod, a steamy romance podcast for Riot Girls. So I want to make sure, you know, part of this was not only to celebrate with all of you, but um, also, of course, because we are who we are, and this is also content for us. This this recording will also become content for us. Sorry, we're multitasking. My partner's <laughs> um, Part of the content piece is getting from all of you what your answer to what makes erotica feminist. What is feminist erotica? I do. Uh, for me, uh, what makes erotica feminist is that all parties involved in the scene get to operate outside of gender norms, whether they are femme identified or masculine identified, because, you know, I think one thing that <clears throat> gets a little lost for people when they don't know a lot about feminism is the fact that everybody's liberated. It's not just about the liberation of femme identified people, it's everybody gets liberated. And that's the whole point, is that we, we have been, a, all of us, doesn't matter if you're a cis male, cis female, trans mask, trans, trans female, we, we are all oppressed under the system that exists currently. And feminism lifts us out and allows us to be human. You know, that's, and our, we, it allows our sexuality to flower and, um, and go into realms that we can't even, honestly, that I don't think we can even imagine because we don't, we're not immersed as a culture in a world that is feminist. We just aren't. So there's moments, I think, when we glancingly can come at sexuality from a like, aha, I see it, I'm living it. But, you know, there's that, that like storm front that comes back <laughs> down, you know, because we're living in the world getting beamed messages, but yeah, that, that's like, I think one of the first things that strikes me when, when you say feminist, feminist erotica. I love that. I see everyone has their thinking face on, which I really very much appreciate. I'm going to, I'm going to call on somebody. I'm, I'm so sorry to do it to you, Jean. You're so sweet. And I feel like we haven't heard from you enough and I'm doing this thing to you. That's terrible, but well, you, you have to call on me because I'm never going to like barge into the group conversation. So put me on the spot. <laughs> I, I wanted to answer this question for you before, but I got uh, stuck on it and then didn't come back to writing it out. But um, so I don't have nicely formulated thoughts, but I think that what makes erotica feminist, it lines up with a lot of what Karen just said. Um, it gives the opportunity for anyone's voice to come forward. And there have been a lot of voices that have been stifled for so long. And erotica has been a medium that has been explored by people who haven't had the microphone for forever. Like the fan fiction sites are all 
like femme, queer, as everyone, everyone else, everyone who hasn't had the microphone for so long is hanging out in those spaces. And now we're just bringing them more and more to the forefront. And I think that's really cool. Um, and people are able to explore themselves through the writing. They can be whoever they want to be or whoever they, whoever, maybe they don't necessarily want to be, but they can put themselves into a body in a space that they wouldn't be in otherwise. So they have the opportunity to empower themselves. And then by doing that, that empowerment, like, those frequencies are passed on to the reader who empower and then that keeps that moving forward. So I think that there is, I don't know if that's necessarily, uh, yeah, I think that is feminist that like the, the, that we are moving that empowerment along. And the other side of that is that um, empowerment isn't a zero sums game by giving someone power. It's not taking away from any, everyone else. Like it's bringing everyone higher. And that's what I've observed in my time as an erotica editor and working with the people that I have worked with so far. And, and it's really amazing to see like in real time. Consensual pod, anyone? I think something that was really interesting to explore in, in creating this book, I mean, Amelia wrote it, but we, you know, we worked on the outline together. It was a very collaborative experience to, to write this book. And the second one was the same, very, very collaborative, but um, but was, was recognizing that there are so many books in the romance genre that I feel claim feminism, but are not a, a very friendly version of feminism is the way that we've kind of referred to it, that it's, it's feminism for people who, who think it sounds like a nice idea, but don't want to do the hard work or, um, or dig into a deeper level of feminism other than, you know, how it, how it affects them personally. So um, the version of feminism that is, there are women in this book who have sex and they get to have orgasms is not feminine. <laughs> I mean, it's a start, but uh, it's, that's not, that doesn't interest me. And so a lot of working on consensual was, okay, what is, what is the feminism that we want to see in our love stories? And that is in the sex scenes. Yes. That of course, <laughs> of course, everybody gets their orgasm, but also that it doesn't have to be the very alpha male uh, romance that we see way too much of. Um, and it doesn't have to be, um, you know, this, and I mean, this is kind of a spoiler, but also I, it's just one that I think about all the time. And whenever I talk about consensual, I talk about it, but, um, which is that the first time Ingrid and Noah have sex right afterwards, Noah is like cuddling up in bed. And I, when I read this for the first time, I was like, Amelia, you're a genius. Ingrid comes back to bed and is like, Hey bud, you gotta go like very much like it's nothing against you, but I just don't like to share my bed. Right. That it's like, kind of dismantling what romance novels have presented what love is supposed to look like dismantling less um you know we're not the only people writing feminist romance of course but challenging the romance that has claimed to be feminist in the past and pushing it towards closer and closer to where that ought to be Becca, it's so funny. That was exactly the scene that I thought of. And as you started talking, I was like, she's going to bring up the kicking him out of the bed. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we've kind of talked around it a little bit, but a lot of what we're doing 
at Consensual is kind of indirect response to what the three of our experiences have been in romance um, for the past few years. So I think for us, the work of feminist, the feminist work in eroticism, or in erotica, excuse me, has been just, you know, writing things that didn't feel so oppressive. I think we have all just kind of, the three of us especially have been on projects that really did not feel good to be working on. So even for us just having the freedom to be writing what we wanted to write um, and to explore the ideas and the identities that we wanted to has been, I think, part of that feminist work for us. I don't, I don't wanna speak for Becca and Rachel, but I can speak for myself, but that's how it's been. Thank you for listening to season one. Stay tuned for season two, where we explore erotica as a springboard for self-care and personal growth.